welcomes all, and in Christ's name, you are all welcome. We extend a particular welcome to some of our Romanian neighbors. They're with us tonight, fully part of our congregation. We extend also a particular welcome to public representatives, to the Deputy First Minister, Martin McGuinness, to our MP for South Belfast, Dr. Alistair MacDonald, and of course to the Lord Mayor, Councillor uh, Naomi Law. This Christian rally, however, has been organised on a South Belfast basis. Having said that, of course, we greet and welcome anyone who represents a wider constituency or who has come from farther afield. But here in South Belfast, as a church, we are represented by Fred Munts, who in Methodist terms is District Superintendent for South Belfast. I'm here in my capacity this year in the Presbyterian Church as moderator of South Belfast. We also have greetings from bishops whose dioceses touch on and include South Belfast. First of all, from Bishop Anthony Farquhar, who writes, in the midst of all the difficulties of the past week, it's most suitable that we should take time for prayer, and it is particularly appropriate that this should be done in an interchurch context. Be assured that a lot of people from various traditions will be joining with you in prayer. And then from Bishop Allen of the Diocese of Connor and Harold Down and Moore, we're sorry we cannot be with you this evening. It's important that we stand together as a Christian city to reject racism in words and deeds and show solidarity with the stranger in our midst as Christ would have us do. We want people of every race and every nation to know that they are welcome among us, as people from this place have been welcomed all around the world. It's vital to work across the community to ensure their protection at this time. Why are we here? We're here as Christians, as church members in South Belfast to raise our voice. We're here to express by our very coming together our anger and our sorrow and our shame at the events which began last week in South Belfast. But we're here also to be positive and to express our thanks to public representatives who last week spoke with one voice in condemnation of these attacks on our neighbours. We would like, while on the theme of thanksgiving, to express thanks to the congregation of Fitzroy for the use of their church. I would like to thank those who very rapidly made rearrangements to be with us this evening, those who will help in the leading of our worship and our rally. I'm sure as a Christian people, we would like to thank City Church and others I know who quietly behind the scenes helped them with their practical witness in the name of Christ last week, and then immediately following upon that, various government and voluntary bodies who worked together to make provision. But we are here really to articulate the strong, biblical theme of welcoming the stranger. And as we reflect on that, to work out the kind of society which we are called on to build here in this city and in this province in the name of Christ. But we have come to worship God. Let us worship him and let us stand to sing the words of the first hymn, What Shall Our Greeting Be?
Let us bow together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you greet us in self-giving love. You embraced the lonely, the different, those who didn't fit easily into the traditional pattern of life. And you embrace us from your rejection and vulnerability on a cross. But in your embrace lies our forgiveness and hope and the promise of life recreated in resurrection. Risen Lord, come to us this evening. Give us to know your mercy your healing, your call, and your risen strength, that we may build new life in you. Amen. We set the context for our worship with two short readings. The first reading is entitled Kristallnacht. We're going to listen to a 15-year-old Jewish girl who experienced the night of the 9th of November 1938 in Germany, when so many Jewish homes were raided, plundered, and those who lived there driven out of the familiarity and the security of their homes. An event, Kristallnacht, meaning the broken glass, which scandalized the world. We have had our own version of Kristallnacht, not just last week, but we carry these experiences, many of us from within our own community. We listen now to Kristallnacht. That night I woke up to noise, shouting and screaming. About eight stormtroopers, drunk or crazed in some other way, smashed up our home. By the time they came into the bedroom I shared with my younger sister, they had done a lot of damage to other rooms and had locked my parents in their bathroom. My parents were terrified for their children, and I could hear them screaming and shouting, and I became very frightened. I could not imagine what was happening to them. When the stormtroopers came into our room, they pulled me out of bed and tore my nightdress to shreds. As a 15-year-old girl, I was above all else embarrassed. Then they told me to get dressed and to get my clothes out of my wardrobe. This was the heavy continental type. When I stood in front of it, the eight young men threw it over. No doubt this was to kill me, and they left the room. Luckily, there was so much destruction in the room that a table previously turned upside down held the wardrobe at an angle long enough for me to wriggle out from underneath. The memory 
of that night will stay with me forever. Kristallnacht. And now in radical, total contrast, words which no doubt will be familiar. The words of what we call the Celtic rune of hospitality. I saw a stranger yesterday. I put food in the eating place drink in the drinking place, music in the listening place, and in the sacred names of the Holy Trinity, he blessed my house, my cattle, and my dear ones. And the lark sang her song, often, 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 goes the Christ in a stranger's guise. Often, 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 goes the Christ in a stranger's guise. How do we move from the first reading to the second? Answer, there is a voice. There is a word. And that voice, that word, is heard in Scripture. It sounds through Scripture, and it is a voice which all of those who enjoy faith and live faith must obey. That voice is heard as far back as the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And there, God's people are reminded that their history began as refugees, as foreigners, as people who were badly treated in Egypt. Therefore, God's people all their life are to retain a sensitivity towards and create a place for the stranger in their midst. Valentina Kovaci from Romania reminds all of us, we too, were strangers. Good evening. My name is Valentina and I'm 12 years old. I come from Romania and today, tonight, I'm going to read Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33 and 34. When foreigners live among you in your you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigners living among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thank you. Thank you, Valentina. Well done. That word sounds in the book of Leviticus. It moves on through the Old Testament, through, for example, that wonderful, lovely book of Ruth. Ruth, who marries an Israelite, and that marriage is an intercultural, interracial inter marriage. A marriage which then lies in the lineage of the great King David and ultimately of Jesus Christ himself. That word moves on through Ruth, and we find it again in the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel writing against the harsh background of exile, and Ezekiel is given to dreaming. And he dreams of the kind of society, the kind of community Israel will build when they are back in their homeland. Now, one might expect after the bitter experience of exile that they would build a home for themselves and they would keep foreigners out. But in fact, we find Ezekiel's dream is a dream in which the stranger and the foreigner will have land and will be given a place and will be welcomed. We listen to that same word coming now to us through Ezekiel as it is read for us by my good friend and colleague, Father Paddy McKenna. 
divide this land among your tribes is to be your permanent possession. The foreigners who are living among you and who have had children born here are also to receive their share of the land when you divide it. They are to be treated like full Israelite citizens and are to draw lots for shares of the land along with the tribes of Israel. Each foreign resident will receive his share with the people of the tribe among whom he is living. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And now we shall have some prayers. Before I begin, we shall have some silence and the response to the words, good physician, will be, heal us. Let us come to ask for the healing touch of our God in the church and in the world. Good physician. Yes. God of humility, your desire to save us made you willing to share our human brokenness. As the body of Christ, may the church share that willingness to be vulnerable and readiness to confess fault in order to serve in love. Good physician. God of power, your authority is gracious and merciful. Inspire all those with authority in our world to be prompted by you so that they may open the way for your kingdom to be established. Good physician. God of accepting love, drive far from our homes and communities all rejection and devaluing, all excuse for sectarianism, all justification for barriers, all racist feelings, both overtly demonstrated or harbored within our hearts and give us the courage to reach out in love. Good physician. God of compassion, shock us into seeing more clearly the ache of those whom society rejects and overlooks the wounds of the discarded and socially embarrassing. May we reach out where others turn away. Good physician. God of eternity, we remember those who healed forever, live with you in the fullness of life. We pray that we too may come by your grace to share the life which has no ending. Good physician. Lord, we thank you for the extent of your love which has no limits and no exceptions. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. We rise to sing the hymn, We Lay Our Broken World, but the choir will sing the first two verses, and then as a congregation, we pick it up with them from verse three. We lay our broken world.
The word to whose call we have been listening takes flesh in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees wanted to preserve the integrity and the purity of religious and cultural life. They were affronted. They were affronted. When Jesus began to mix with and talk to and heal and dine with religious and cultural outcasts and the foreigner. Eventually, in part of his teaching, Jesus actually puts himself in the place of the stranger or the foreigner. And he challenges us in words which must lie behind that Celtic rune of hospitality. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, and the reading is taken by the Lord Mayor, Councillor Naomi Long. The New Testament reading is taken from Matthew 25, starting to read at verse 31, the final judgment. When the Son of Man comes as King, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his royal throne, and the people of all nations will be gathered before him. Then he will divide them into two separate groups, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the righteous people on his right and the others on his left. Then the king will come to say to the people on his right, come you that are blessed by my father, Come and possess the kingdom which has been prepared for you ever since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you received me in your homes, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me, in prison and you visited me. The righteous will then answer him, when, Lord, did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you a stranger and welcome you in our homes, or naked and clothe you? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will reply, I tell you, whenever you did this for one of the least important of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those that are on his left, away from me you that are under God's curse, away to the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, but you would not feed me, thirsty, but you would not give me a drink. I was a stranger, but you would not welcome me in your homes, naked, but you would not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, but you would not take care of me. Then they will answer him, When, Lord, did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and would not help you? Then the king will reply, I tell you, whenever you refused to help one of these least important ones, you refused to help me. These then will be sent off to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. And may God add his blessing to this reading and give us his guidance as we apply it in our lives. Amen.
of thanksgiving, prayers of intercession, then the prayer of St. Francis. But following that prayer, we join in saying the words of the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Wonderful and holy God, our Father, creator of the universe, the rich variety of your world makes us glad. We thank you for the contrasts of nature the ruggedness of the mountains, the lushness of fields, the warmth of the sun, and the coldness of snow, the challenge of the day, and the peace of the night. We thank you too for the contrasts among people, for individuals and personalities and gifts, for the fact we are not all alike. We thank you for people of other cultures and races and for all that we have to learn from them. We thank you for giving us people to care for and a deep sense of responsibility for those in need. Father God, we thank you for creating one world and for sending Jesus to live and work, to suffer and die, and to rise victorious from death in order that he might break down the barriers between us and make us one in him. Prayers of intercession. Loving God, three in one and one in three, we pray for the breaking down of barriers among Christians and other people, barriers of race, of culture, of tradition, barriers of class, of income, of power, the breaking down of barriers, of gender, of age, of physical and mental ability, because we belong to Christ, and our prayer is that you will make us one in him. Loving God, your Son, our Lord Jesus, knew what it was to be a refugee and a stranger when Joseph and Mary fled from Herod. He knew what it was to be homeless with nowhere to lay his head. He knew what it was to be utterly forsaken 
as he cried from the cross. Whenever we suffer, you have been there first. Forgive us for doubting you and give us strength to go on. Help us in our society to do all we can for the stranger and especially for those Romanian families so cruelly affected during this past week and as they adjust to new surroundings. Help us to embrace all who come to this land, to provide for them, for the needy, and to counsel the abused. Because we belong to Christ, and our prayer is that you will make us one in him. The prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We ask our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray and to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Before I announce the next hymn, I would like to draw your attention to the fact that copies of the Irish Council of Churches booklet what the Bible says about the stranger. For any of you who would like to take this theme and look at it in a little more depth, Michael Earle has plenty of copies of that booklet. They are sitting on a table to this side of the church and Michael would be delighted to introduce you to that publication after our worship closes. We stand to sing the hymn, Brother, Sister, Let Me Serve You.
part of a big gathering with the Lord Mayor, Naomi, and also with Martin and Alistair, and so many who have come from different traditions and backgrounds and aspects of our society, to think together on the theme, I was a stranger, the words of Jesus, and you welcomed me. Powerful words. And I'm so glad we're together thinking about this because I need your help and I think we all need each other's help. Because the events of last week, when 120 Romanian people were intimidated out of their homes, hit me, and I'm sure you, hit you like an exocet missile. But I must confess that my admiration for the response of so many of you here in helping and supporting, in giving your time and energy to resolve the immediate problems of relocation. My admiration as I watched the response of people in this area and in the city, my admiration grew hour by hour. So I don't come like you tonight feeling somehow defeated. I come tonight confident that there is a huge team of people here and throughout our country who, if we bind together and, like the British Lions front row and back row and scrum, push together, we will score even if there's not five minutes left. We are in a battle for the soul of Ulster, and we are not playing for a draw. That's why we need tonight to come together in order to offer ourselves afresh to God and to be even more proactive in pursuing the vision that is God's vision for this country and God's vision for a healthy society. My heart, like yours, was lifted by the example of City Church. It was humbling to see so many people involved the leaders, the volunteers, as well as all those citizens who came with bags of groceries and bedding and pillows and made the building of City Church habitable for the people. The community workers, the trade unions, the social agencies, our politicians uniting to give us a lead from the top because we're pushing them from the bottom. And of course the police. Now, the challenge facing us coming here tonight is a very simple challenge. How do we, every one of us here tonight, become proactive? Many are already proactive. But I want you to focus on that again. How do we become even more proactive in building an inclusive community? How do we become proactive in developing a process that turns strangers into friends? How do we become proactive in creating a society of welcome that invites people in rather than drives them out? That is the challenge facing us. How can we, after centuries of division and animosity and alienation and almost social apartheid. How can we create a community and a culture of respect and inclusion and equal opportunity for everybody? Now there is the vision. How do we here tonight individually take steps towards that vision? Even further, because many of you have been working at it for years. And many of you wonder, is it ever going to happen? It is happening. The tide is turning, and we tonight are part of the turning of the tide. How then do we build a community and a process that turns strangers into friends? Number one I would say to you tonight is this. Return to the inspiration of your faith. We are not simply people who work up a kind of optimism. You would be wiped out, burnt out, exhausted and probably would abandon any kind of walking this process if it was simply human optimism. We believe in a Christ who died but was raised from the dead and we are inveterably people of hope.
The vision is the realism. And walking that path is the challenge. Return to the inspiration of your faith, because that is what faith is about. It puts energy and inspiration into people's souls to work for the transformation of our community. When God gave his law to Moses on Mount Sinai, it was a law for a healthy community. And it embodied so many of the principles that are at the heart of building community. The Lord said to Moses, let my people be open to my love and then let them pass it on. That is the heart of biblical religion. Receiving God's love and passing it on. The two great commandments fused as a welder would fuse them into one. You cannot love God and look down on your neighbor or your brother or sister. These were fused at Sinai fused in the life of Jesus, and they remain the two lungs of our Christian faith. And they continue to inspire us. But there are 37 references in the law of God to also valuing and loving the stranger, the one who's not like ourselves. Barack Obama said the greatest problem he faced growing up was growing up in a society that had become self-segregating. We want to turn our society into a society that welcomes all and connects with all. It was our Lord himself who inspired us as in, in that reading that we, we had from Naomi tonight, Matthew chapter 25. The questions we are asked in the day of judgment, they are not simply questions, did you welcome Christ into your life? But are you sure you welcome Christ into your life? For when I was hungry, you're the ones who fed me. When I was naked, you were the ones who went to your wardrobe and gave me some clothes. And when I came as a stranger, you didn't walk past me. You welcomed me into your life and you welcomed me into your home. Those are the questions we are asked when we finally give account to God. And they are searching questions as to the reality of Christ within our lives. And it was Jesus who said, I was a stranger, and the welcome came from you. Now, there are certain conclusions you draw from this biblical river of testimony running right through the scriptures and through the life of the church when it's at its best. And the first is this, you cannot be a racist and say that Christ is your redeemer. It is impossible. It is impossible to say Christ is my savior and be sectarian. You can't do it. You cannot say I am born of the spirit of God and be a bigot. It is impossible if you read this book and if you swim in the pages of the scriptures. And that is why tonight we are called to return to that inspiration of our faith that transforms us and prepares us to transform others and to transform us our society. In Northern Ireland, there are 25 churches for every police station. Not a bit of wonder the police need our help. <laughs> but if every church committed itself to this message in its integrity and unity with the great commandments fused and meant to be lived, I will tell you this, racism would be disappearing into the ocean for good, as would sectarianism, and that's where they need to go. And we need to hear that message in South Belfast most of all. Last year, there were almost a thousand racial attacks throughout our province, and the largest group were in this area, 169. And that is why we are here tonight, because there is a battle for the soul of our country, and it is a battle for values. And it is a battle for Christian values against values that are destructive of people and anti-Christian. And friends, we are in a battle, and we are not playing for a draw with a message like this. And that is why we must return to the inspiration of our faith and ask Christ to use us to transform this country. The second reason why we need to wade into these issues is this. 
we need to consider the influence of a focused life. Jesus Christ called us to live simply, to return to our creation, which is a creation originally in the image of God, and part of that was internal clarity about why we're here. To receive God's love and pass it on. That's the image of God. But with that, there is a simplicity of lifestyle. And that lifestyle is a lifestyle that asks us to focus on using our lives and never to think they are without influence. Do not sit here and think, well, I'll leave it to somebody else. Do not think there are people here more talented than me. You are like a spider at the center of a network of relationships. A web of relationships runs around your life, and every one of those can be influenced for this vision and for the message of Christ and for a healthy society by you being focused on the potential that lies in your faith. There is huge influence on a focused life. That's why we need to decide to live an inclusive lifestyle. To move from self-segregation into being open to people from different political traditions, different religious traditions, different cultural traditions, different racial traditions. To be open to friendship with them. And that is an internal decision that comes from a focused life that knows why God is asking you to do these things. And there is huge potential in that. We need to raise these issues in our sleepy churches. Write to your church session, write to your parish priest, write to your ministers and clergy and say, can we meet to discuss the issue of racism or sectarianism in our area? Raise the issue. That is what a focused life does. And when you meet with your friends over coffee or over a drink and you're sitting chatting and attitudes come out which you're afraid to break the silence in case people might not respect you or might tell you to shut up. Do not be silenced when you hear sectarianism and racism. Break the silence with respect and with gentleness and with calmness, but break the silence and detox the atmosphere around you. Now is not a time to keep our mouths shut. It is a time to raise our voices for a great vision that comes to us and one that is worth committing our lives to. There is massive influence in a focused life that is focused on the vision of God and the teaching of Christ and goes out and puts feet on it and lives it. I remember some years ago meeting with two Zimbabwean refugees who were driven out of an estate in East Belfast and were relocated by the social services. Very wisely they went round the other people who lived in the street and they said, would you mind if two Zimbabwean ladies lived here, uh, would they be safe and would you be happy to receive them into the community? They all said yes. And one or two went over to shake hands and say hello. But one evening one of the ladies, Halalini, told me the story of sitting in the windowsill. She forgot her key and her friend was coming back from work. And her cousin Memory, who was coming back, was a bit delayed. And as Halalini was sitting on the windowsill on this long street, a man came past who was started to curse and swear at her and release a volume of racist abuse against her. And she was very frightened. And a neighbor who had said earlier that he would be happy to have her in the community was washing his car. And he came over to this guy and he says, get out of here, clear off. You don't belong in this area. Leave this woman alone. She's one of us. And that's why she stayed. That's why she felt safe. She had neighbors who said, they are one of us. They belong here and we will protect them and look after them. And you say to me, you can do nothing with your life. I thank God that that man was outside with a chamois and bucket of water, cleaning his car, but he had a vision in his heart and he had a focus in his life and he made a difference for those two women and helped them settle in this community. Do not think you can do nothing. Do not think somebody else is responsible. Do not think that you have no influence. There is a massive influence from a focused life that is focused on the vision that we are speaking about tonight. Believe in yourself and express the faith that is deepest in your heart. How do we move towards this vision? First of all, return to the inspiration of our faith. It is massively inspiring. Thank God for it. Secondly, 
Consider the influence of a focused life. And the third thing is this. Realize the impact of a strong scrum. A strong scrum. Did you watch the second half? I don't know what the team talk was like. I probably couldn't even interpret the expletives that flew backwards and forwards in the sweat and the cup of tea and the orange at halftime. But when the British Lions scrum came out, they were so changed in the second half and they pushed the Springboks right to the end of the game. That said something to me, that changes in the way we scrum together will help us to push for the vision that we believe in. We have got to bind together, friends. No more simply individuals doing their own thing. Get into the scrum and put your arm over somebody else and stick your head between their butts, but push together for the one vision that God has given us. We have got to push together for an integrating society and work together. We, listen, we need to listen to real needs. I love the words of Barack Obama when he talked about his early, his, his early experience, his, his training as an apprentice community worker in Chicago, when his mentor said to him, Barack, move towards the center of people's lives. Wasn't that wonderful advice? And as we listen to these communities, as we listen to those who are part of our community, we need to know what they're saying, what their needs are, what their anxieties are, what their hopes and fears and dreams are. And we need to then bind with them into pushing for what we believe in. There are many agencies already working. The churches need to work with them. The community groups, the police, the political parties, so that all who come here looking for a better future will get it from our push with them for the kind of community that we believe in. It would greatly help if those who come to this community to live and work and settle down could speak our language. It would be good for them because they could then move from menial jobs into jobs that are better paid and begin to even more adequately look after their families. It would enable a dialogue to take place with community representatives where they could tell us what the issues are so that we can frame a response to it. We need to open up avenues of communication with each other. But most of all, we need to bind together and push because there is a huge impact if we can scrum together. That is how I believe God wants us to respond tonight. It is a simple, but it's a really worthwhile challenge. Can I say one thing finally that is maybe so controversial that I am not going to not say it tonight? It would be wrong of us to simply condemn the pure evil of those who attacked these families. And I call it pure evil. I'll tell you why. In the message that Christ has given, even to people who are racist at heart and sectarian at heart, we believe there is more than condemnation. There is redemption and change and transformation. And the leading apostle of the church, St. Paul, began his life as a fundamentalist who hated anyone who mixed with Gentiles and who hated most of all those who believed in Jesus Christ and stood by as people killed the first martyr Stephen. If he had been condemned, he would never have become simply the greatest apostle of inclusion in the church and in the world that the world has ever seen. I'll tell you why we must try and understand the spiral of decline in loyalist working class communities. It's this. There may be a David Irvine there who needs someone to sit down and talk with him and show him a better way and take time to help these young people start seeing a better way, believing in a bigger vision and laying aside their animosities and getting involved in their community in social transformation for their people. That is why we believe in the redemption of everyone. We are totally opposed to the things that strangle our community. But the people who are involved, yes indeed, 
they need to be taken to the courts. But somebody needs to sit down, and there may well be people here who are in touch with folk in these communities where the friendships are already established. See that as God's call to you. God's placing you there. And believe that a St. Paul can emerge, a David Irvine can emerge, and a community can emerge into a better future. Jesus said, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. In Christ's eyes, everyone is someone special. And that's the vision we set before us tonight. It is the vision of God. As I said at the beginning, we are in a battle for the soul of Ulster. And brothers and sisters, we are not playing for a draw. Because that is what it means to believe in a Christ who is risen. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. We bring our worship to a close as we sing the hymn, When I Needed a Neighbour, Were You There? I'd like to ask, please, if women only would sing the third verse, men only verse four. And towards the end of this hymn, I invite fellow clergy and ministers to join me at the front, and we, together with you, the congregation, will say the grace. When I needed a neighbour, were you there? Before we say the grace together, there's a cup of tea upstairs for everyone if you have the time to stay. So if you go through either of these two front doors and turn right and go up the stairs. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God.